Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hi everybody, welcome to Scattered. Uh, we are on week two of looking at the book of Ezra and last week we looked at chapters one to two which is where the exiles so a certain number of exiles turn from exile and the king Cyrus kind of gives this decree which gives them permission to go back and rebuild the temple Um, and so they plus a bunch of gold and silver and kind of temple things have traveled back and we now are going to see in chapter three the kind of beginning of their time back in Israel. What are you laughing at, Helen? It's so you like they're back from exile and they and a bunch of stuff. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm back from that place and. <laughs> Yeah, so let's look at what happens in this chapter. Can someone give us a bit of a summary of what happens in chapter three? Um, well, they get back and the first thing that they do is start to build the altar. So that's their first priority. They got on with that and then there's two lots of people and they respond very differently. I don't know how much detail you want. Basically, they start building. Good summary. So they built the altar and then they built the foundation of the temple. Good, thanks, Jill. So you mentioned that they built the altar first. Why do you think they are doing that? I think there might be a couple of reasons. The first one being, you know, the basic calling of Israel is to worship the Lord, isn't it? Like that's their their first calling is to worship him. And so when they've returned back to Jerusalem, that's what they're called to do. But also it's almost like being called back and going back to Jerusalem is a, a reset of priorities. You know, we were in exile, taken into Babylon because of our sin and because we were not doing what we should be doing. But now we've been called back to where uh, the Lord wants us. We're called back to where the temple's going to be rebuilt. What are we going to be about? Let's make sure we've got our priorities straight. Yeah, because what was the altar actually for? Yeah, I guess for them to be able to offer sacrifices to God. And it's hard for us to relate to that, isn't it? Because we don't need a physical thing in the same way. But I guess for them to be able to enter God's presence and to... um offer their sacrifices which meant they were able to approach God they needed um the altar which is quite hard for us to get our head around isn't it because that's significantly different now for us the other reason that they built the altar was that so that their sins could be paid for and so that they would be consecrated to be able to do the work that they that God was calling them to do so what do you think, like, just talking about relevance to us now, what do you think a parallel would be for us these days? Because it says in verse three, doesn't it, despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar. So where's the link there? Why do they build an altar despite their fear? What's going on there? That's interesting because my version, verse three says they set the altar in its place because fear or for fear was on them, not despite. Mm. Interesting. Mine's yes. Uh, mine's NIV, I think. 
yeah, yeah mine's esv so my assumption reading my version where it says they set the altar in its place for fear was on them was that they were um that their fear of the people they were surrounded by because they're probably fairly hostile towards the remnant who have returned is that their fear of those people drove um the israelites to god and towards each other and that and and that's why they built the that's why they've done what they've done mm. yeah i read i read it in a similar way to helen that they're almost it clarified for them in really sharp focus their need of the lord because he was their protector and i guess when they've been in exile and when they've been in other places that's not been as clearly in focus but the danger is really real from the sort of bandits around the area that are going to be attacking them. And so I was really challenged and convicted by when we're fearful is our first response to seek the Lord or is it to try and sort things out in our own minds? Um, so, yeah, I think I was, yeah, Red just said that there's, their fear leads them to worship, but also that they're confident that God's the one that's going to protect them from the things that are bigger than they, that they can cope with. Yeah, I also read that the people who were living in that area had also started to become influenced by surrounding areas, their idolatry and their worship of other gods. And so it was like a fear of just like a spiritual threat in terms of them wanting to stay faithful to God and not be influenced by um, people worshipping other, other gods. I think that this little verse, they set the altar in its place for fear was on them, really made me think about my situation, your situation, Juliet, Mary's situation, where we are in places we are at significant risk of various types of dangers, more so than if we were um, at home, well, or in the UK, sorry. But um, it really made me check myself when I have these fears because I am where I am where is it that I am finding my security and who is it that I'm trusting am I trusting contingency plans security updates being sensible and certainly I can use those things really am I trusting God that I am safe in his hands um, and am I driven to him when I have my when something happens here and I become more concerned um, what is it that I'm driven towards yeah I, I mean obviously the risks are different in the UK but I guess my the, the note I wrote in my bible was when difficulty comes am I drawn to worship or to worry and um it's really helpful isn't it that their fear led them to worship and and their priority was to go to the lord yeah i read along those lines that the altar was to them as the crosses to us and so like when we are fearful do we run to the cross i guess for each one of us what does going to the cross look like because it's easy for us to say that isn't it but what does it actually mean practically when we move closer to God or, you know, seek his face more mm. in the face of fear? I found it as an expert on fear. 
I have found it really helpful to listen to worship songs when I'm really afraid that point me to who God is. So like I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I guess that is going to the cross um, in a way, but I guess it's just a kind of conscious going towards God rather than away in my fear. So I, in a way, like when you're singing, I think there's something about singing that's actually very spiritual and helpful to the heart. Um, and so when you sing, when you're singing these truths, it's almost like they go in in a in a different way to how they do if you just kind of read them or something. I think I'm often struck by fear in the night. You know, if I wake up in the night and then my mind starts to play with things that are heavy or fear driven and I'm less good at singing in the middle of the night primarily not to wake up jumpy but um yeah I find it really helpful just to have a verse or two that almost are written by my bed or that I've sort of tried to read before I go to sleep and so actually choosing to bring those that truth to mind and to let that you know let my mind play on that scripture rather than play with the things that's scaring me um, and I guess to try and meditate is the posh word, isn't it? But um, yeah, so one that I found helpful recently would be Psalm 62 verse 1. My soul finds rest in God alone. And just allowing that to fill my mind rather than the fear. But yeah, I'm with you um, worship songs in the day, but that's less helpful to me in the middle of the night. I think it's just helpful coming to God and realising that you're not God and it's coming as a position in a position of humility knowing that he is the one who has all the power and he is the one who's made us right with him so that we don't need to fear our own sin even because i think when we're fearful of other things we start to like our own sin even gets escalated so coming to the cross makes us realize that actually we need his forgiveness we need um, his uh, goodness to help us to keep going. And um, we're essentially just putting all our trust on him. Yeah, and I guess like um, like the Bible says, our battle, our battle isn't against flesh and bones. Like here, they literally have enemies around them who would want to crush them and be pretty annoyed that they, you know, where they're built, building these altars is amongst people now that are probably building altars to other gods and stuff whereas our battle is you know largely spiritual um and so i guess yeah this kind of idea of building an altar in the middle of our fear is actually quite powerful isn't it because we're we're staking our our claim to god's promises in the middle of what makes us afraid so it says just looking at verse kind of Four. So they've built this altar and then it says twice, actually, it says in verse two and in verse four, in accordance with what is written. And then it says in verse four, they celebrated the festival of tabernacles and then some other stuff happens. What What is the significance of that um, festival? So the festival of booths um, or the feast of tabernacles, or it's got like three or four different names, hasn't it, is... Uh, it actually has two reasons or two things that it, it commemorates. One, it was like a, a harvest festival for them back in um, back in Exodus for the Israelites. But the other thing back in Leviticus 
is that for the Israelites, the, the Feast of Booths commemorates the exodus and the dependence of God's people on him. And the, the booths were these fragile huts, dwellings in which the Israelites stayed during their 40 years of travel in the desert after their escape from slavery in Egypt. So it's just that, again, that commemoration of, okay, this is what God has done for us in the past. This is what he's doing for us now. Mm. It's important that we celebrate this. But it's all also, I think, wrapped up in the whole, um, it says, isn't it, as it was written? Is, it, is that what it says? In, in accordance, uh, in with, accordance with the script. Yeah, in accordance with what was written. You know, they just, mm. they're building the altar. They want to be obedient. They not only want to yeah they're, they're longing for that obedience they're longing to commemorate what god has done for them there's some irony isn't there because even now they're probably just they're, they're they themselves haven't built their permanent shelters so they're most likely also living in temporary dwellings and so it's got quite a deep significance for them as a reminder of god's faithfulness back mm. then and now mm. yeah so as we kind of move through the passage just kind of thinking now verses seven and eight onwards we come to what what happens in this bit and I guess I guess my big question for all the passage is I think we're meant to see parallels in this passage um and it's meant to be kind of ironic or significant in various ways. Can you pick out some of those things? So I guess we see here at the end of that first section in verse seven, the fact that they send to get trees from Lebanon. And um, I guess that is a reminder. It would have been to the original readers of the first temple that Solomon built and Solomon sent to all those places to get the best of the best to build God's temple. And so I guess we see um, this is a, a smaller version of that, but they're still keen to do it as well as they can and to use the best materials. And so, yeah, that the end of verse seven is a really clear parallel with how they gathered materials for the first temple. Uh, the timing of when in verse eight, when it says the second month of the second year, the second month is also the time when um, Solomon started work on the, that original first temple. And so people would be thinking back again to Solomon's temple. Great. Has anyone else, did anyone else see any parallels with some of the other stuff that's either come before or maybe even after this? There's the way that they worship, but the, or they, they praise at the end with the choirs. And that also is almost like if you read in two, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, it's almost like the same description of what goes on mm -hmm. there. Do you mean when um, when the temple was built the first time and they're celebrating? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Sorry, yeah. I don't have 2 Chronicles yeah. 5. So with Solomon's that. temple. Mary, can't get with the program. I know, I need to get back to memorizing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, Julia. I think all the way through this passage, basically, we're meant to 
we're meant to because at the end we've got this scene haven't we they've they've set the foundations laid the foundations verse 10 um and then there's the priests wearing their clothes there's trumpets there's symbols there's praise and thanksgiving but then you've got verse 12 many of the older priests and levites they are quite upset like they're sad about it and i think we're we're meant to have picked up throughout the passage just little reminders of what it was like when they first built the temple um and just how much of a kind of um and not anti-climax but how much of a echo this must have felt for those older people who remember the first temple in its old in its in its glory obviously they wouldn't have been there when it was built but they would have seen it um in its glory before it was destroyed um what did you make of this scene at the end uh with what's going on so we've got all these people celebrating and then we've got weeping and there's this beautiful bit where it says no one could distinguish this the sound of the shouts of joy from the shouts of from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise what did you make of all of that I geeked out a bit here and became Hermione for a small moment um, because I looked at um, in Haggai 2 and in Zechariah 4, they um, interpret basically the weeping and they... I'm so proud of you. See, I, I thought... I Hermione's are so excited about what you're saying. You guys listening can't see how excited Juliet and Helen are that Jill is saying something. That's actually worthwhile um, and that she's actually <laughs> done some work on. Yeah. So both in both those prophets, they're talking specifically to this situation and to these people, and they are kicking their butts, basically, and saying, don't despise the day of small things. So this is smaller than the original, but this is still God's work and this still needs to be celebrated and keep going and keep focused because God is doing something, even though it's not the glory of before. So yeah, I, initially I read it and thought, oh yeah, like I was feeling the pain of the older guys. And then I thought, let, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. And actually there's a rebuke there, isn't there? Because God is doing something here, which is significant. But there's also a real encouragement, I would say, because in the UK at the moment, the church is often small and unimpressive and in a world that um, is not impressed by spiritual things. And so just it just really encouraged my heart that God is at work, isn't he, even in the smaller things and in the things that are, don't seem very impressive in the eyes of the world. So, yeah, I was glad I did my bit of background reading and research there because it really encouraged me um, just to keep going with God's work, even when it doesn't seem that impressive. Yeah, and I I appreciated the rebukes as well. And, you know, sometimes it's hard not to let the best be the enemy of the good, kind of lament what's going on rather than celebrate what's going on. You know, comparisons, oh, but it used to be like this. But actually, mm. um, God is doing a good thing now. Yes, the first temple was the best, but actually what he's doing now is good. And because it's what God is doing, it is the best. And, and just having that reminder. Um, yeah, because my temptation is a bit like these guys who are remembering the old temple and believing that the new one would never match it, that that is a bad thing, you know, but actually God's goodness and his faithfulness means that even though this new temple 
won't match the old one or you know the what they've got started on won't match the old one actually it is it it is a good thing it is the best thing that god is doing for them hmm. and it's hard for us to appreciate isn't it how actually this is promise keeping promise fulfillment um even the the fact that the two guys involved here are one's a priest one's uh, from the from the line of the kings is really significant isn't it because it's saying to us and it's saying to them god's keeping those promises and is preserving that line so that jesus can come and so even though it doesn't look the way they wanted it to it's still a such a sign of god's faithful promise keeping to his people um as i was also going to sympathize with the old men cuz like they would have watched the destruction of the old temple of solomon and that would have been quite devastating for them and so like the new rebuilding you can see that they might have um some kind of cynicism left over being like oh is it gonna burn down again like the the last one did and so yeah i thought it was a quite a big challenge like when i see disappointments or setbacks or like you know do i am i looking backwards or am i just Am I able to celebrate in like small, um, yeah, humble, good things? And I guess there's like a future element. I was thinking about par the parallel question. I guess there's a future element to this as well, because we, I mean, now, again, the temple was destroyed, wasn't it? Um, after Jesus's life and death. And we know, though, don't we, that really it's just the temple's just a, a sign isn't it that god is with us like god is for us and he's invested in being amongst us and one day there's going to be this incredible place where we can be with god forever and i guess yeah i i was struck by the the end of verse 13 it says the sound was heard far away and i kind of think it, it was a witness, wasn't it? Their joy. I bet the nations around them and the peoples around them were like, what? They just built this small stone structure and some put some other stones down. Like, what is going on? Why are they all rejoicing and crying? It just must have been so confusing. And I guess, yeah, like in our own lives, is our rejoicing in God and his promises, is that having ripple effects to the people around us? Um, I was kind of challenged by that. Did you guys have any kind of takeaways from the passage personally, apart from what we already talked about? I guess the big thing for me, I did I did a Bible overview a few years ago, and it's just so helpful, isn't it, to see in each little passage like this that Jesus is the the proper fulfillment, and our hearts, and all the way through the Old Testament, the hearts of the people are disappointed. Because actually, they're, 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 we're built for Jesus, aren't we? And we're built for Jesus dwelling with us as the fulfillment of these promises. And so I guess it's just so helpful, isn't it? And I just feel so blessed that we're at the place we are at in salvation history, that we get to see that Jesus is the real reality and that he dwells mm. with us and that the temple is, you know, we are part of that now um, in a different way than, you know, they were really struggling weren't they to understand how the stones and the the buildings could be the fulfillment and yet we get to see how those things were just pointing to Jesus who's the real deal so I guess it's mm. just I think I'm so grateful that we um 
yeah, on the back of Easter that we get to see him and worship Jesus as the real deal. Mm. Cool. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed digging further into Ezra 3. Um, Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we will see you next week to study a little bit more. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.